Good morning. Good morning to you guys online and good morning to you guys in the Zendo. We thought we'd have a large group in the Zendo today, but the snow and the weather changed a lot of people's minds. It might have changed my mind, but I only live three blocks from here. So. Um, good to see you all online and here in person. Um, hope, hope nobody's car got stuck. Uh, so today I'm going to, well, <laughs> I'm just going to start talking. <laughs> I'm not going to give any preview. I'm going to start with a uh, quote by Nietzsche, Frederick Nietzsche. The snake that cannot cast its skin off has to die, has to die. This is the second turning of the wheel in, in Buddhism. And I don't think Nietzsche knew that. <laughs> he might have, but I think it's doubtful. The second turning of the wheel in Buddhism is the shedding of our skins from the first turning. The first turning took place supposedly um, during Buddha's life, 400 years before the second turning. And uh, that first turning uh, is the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, uh, no, no Self, the Five Aggregates. That's the first turning. Um, the second turning comes with the birth of Mahayana, which is the birth, which is the uh, uh, earliest sutras of Mahayana sutras, the Prajnaparamita sutras, um, which are basically skin shedding sutras. <clears throat> um, and the Heart Sutra is the, is, the, is the most concise distillation of those sutras that we chant every morning. Um, and uh, those of you who remember the Heart Sutra, we, we go through in a very meticulous way and deny the reality of each of those early teachings. <laughs> Anybody ever notice that? I didn't notice it because I, I chanted this for years without even know, learning the early teachings, <laughs> which is interesting, <laughs> interesting. So as our, as our layers of belief that um, uh, harden us against each other in the world, but also protect us as they fall off, um, we uh, are less rough. We're more sensitized. We're more alive. Um, and sometimes when this happens to people in retreats in particular, they feel like they're re regressing. Oh, that's okay. More sensitive. Not less thought coverings between you and the world. And if you, you know, the emotions might be a little raw. Sometimes the emotions are more raw. Uh, and, and there's a little more vulnerability. That's all good stuff. That's a sign that skin shedding is happening. <clears throat> uh, and there's always another layer. The skins just are more permeable as, as, we, as they become, as we let go of the rougher ones that really we use to protect us against scary things. <clears throat> so the most important uh, Prajnaparamita teacher is Nagarjuna. Nagarjuna is the most important teacher. And Naga means serpent. And Juna means hero. So he's the super, the, the serpent hero in Mahayana, the serpent hero. <clears throat> and uh, just as the serpent uh, protected Buddha under the Bodhi tree, uh, so, did, so does the serpent become of really, real signif mythological significance in the unfailing of Buddhism, particularly Mahayana with Nagar Nagarjuna as being the serpent hero. So supposedly Nagarjuna earned his name by winning the trust of the Nagas, the serpents, who protected all these Prajnaparamita sutras in an underwater cave for 400 years because people weren't ready for it. <laughs> 
people weren't ready for them. So the Nagas protected them. <laughs> and, and, and they trusted Nagar, Nagarjuna, Nagarjuna, and they released them to him. <laughs> mythology is kind of wonderful, providing you remember its mythology. <clears throat> so Nagarjuna talks about a new middle way. The middle way in the early Buddhism is the middle way in between austerity and indulgence. The middle way between uh, uh, really, uh, uh, really limiting all of your sensory uh, stimulation to just completely indulging. That's the middle way in early Buddhism. And of course, it's still the middle way. On the other hand, Nagarjuna talks about the empty middle, the empty middle way. So as soon as you have some belief, oh, well, I should just need to be a little more like this and a little more like that. Oh, I didn't do it right. I got to come back. And then you get caught in that belief. You're always measuring your practice. How much sazen did I do today? Did I do the right amount or the wrong amount? Yesterday, I'll do the wrong amount. Today, I'll do the right amount. That's, that's not, Nagarjuna says the empty middle, <laughs> the empty middle. And of course, we think of empty negatively in Western culture, but the empty middle is the interpenetrating middle, the inner being middle. So in Buddhism, emptiness, the synonym for emptiness is inner being. Because when we let go of our belief, which separates us from each other, which isolates us from each other, which cuts us off from each other, we experience inner being. So Nagarjuna talks about, uh, he doesn't talk about, he has a series of dialectical interactions with uh, uh, his disciples who come to him in which he demolishes every belief statement they make. <laughs> some are his disciples, some are outsiders. He demolishes them. And he does it in a very logical way. So if I think after all of my years of practice that I'm more enlightened than any of you, than any of you, or one of you in particular, that belief hardens, hardens, and it affects my, my feeling about you, my connection to you, because there's a screen. There's a screen. I'm, I'm the enlightened one out here. Right? I'm the enlightened one. Look at me. I'm practicing 84 years, <laughs> even though I'm not quite that old yet. <laughs> So as we shed skins, we feel this inner being more. We feel more, more intimacy, more permeability, more sensitivity. And Nagarjuna says that there are four possibilities to any statement. Each of them by themselves is equally false. This is called the tetralemma. And I practiced with folks in the workshop I did a couple of weeks ago with the tetralemma, and I did it three or four years ago with folks too, the tetralemma. So a, a dilemma, a dilemma is either or. And with a dilemma, we're usually caught. We're trying to, but tetralemma, four options, opens us up beyond the stuckness of either or. Either or is replaced by both hand, at the heart and at the hip. <laughs> it's replaced through this practice, this practice. And in the workshop, the last couple of workshops I did, one, like I said, maybe three or four years ago, the pandemic has been weird because time, I don't know what happened to time during the pandemic. <laughs> well, time's just a construct anyway, but it's an important construct. Oh, I don't really know how, how long ago I did that first one. 
So I had them embody following Stephen Gilligan's, um, I helped people embody the Tetralon uh, as they were practicing with it. But I've also helped many people uh, just do it uh, without moving, just in their zazen posture. I won't say many people, maybe six or eight people. So we take a step in the four directions, north, south, east, west, <clears throat> southeast, west. And we're usually caught in one direction. Usually caught in one direction. Right now, most of us are caught on, get me out of this north and get me to the south. <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> or something like that. But we open up, we open up. And so when I do it following Stephen Gilligan's way, I learned to do it from him. I start with people and I have people start facing north and take a step and then uh, go to the east and take a step and then go to the south and then take a step and then go to the west and take a step. Uh, moving beyond the confines of one single space. But then when we do it in Zazen, we just sit and do it. That's fine too. And we say in our chant, all of our sutras at the end, we say, all beings, 10 directions, three worlds, 10 directions. The four cardinal directions, the four intermediary directions, and the sky and the earth. So we're opening up beyond the dilemma to some, the tetralemma, beyond the tetralemma to infinite possibility. Because if we can open up beyond the dilemma to the tetralemma, then we can do, just be alive, just be alive. So what about the, uh, so Dogen calls this actional understanding, although he doesn't talk about the tetralemma. So let's say uh, working with someone recently, uh, she says, I'm depressed. She's depressed, the first leg in the tetralemma. But then she moves metaphorically because she's sitting in front of me. So I suggest her, to her and I help her to I'm not depressed. She lets go of her depression. She's here with me. If she was really depressed, depressed, she wouldn't be here. She's here. She's sitting upright. She's looking at me. She's articulate. She seems even to be enthused. She's depressed, she's not depressed. She's both depressed and not depressed. I have her help her hold those, help her hold those as she moves, as she moves internally or externally. And then finally, I'm neither depressed nor not depressed. I'm depressed is one thought. I'm not depressed is another thought. And thought is only a single component of a greater reality in which there's great openness, regardless of what's happening in the world, what, how many bad things are happening. Regardless. Regardless of how people are hurting each other. <clears throat> this is a way to open up so that we don't need to hurt other people anymore. We don't need to hurt ourselves anymore. And we hope that the, that will catalyze others, but it does sometimes, not always it does. So this is about meditative awareness, isn't it? It's about meditative awareness and attentiveness so that we learn to undulate with the resilience of the Naga. <laughs> we learn to undulate with the resilience of the Naga. The more open and spacious our awareness becomes, the less likely we are to get caught by or even try to get away from our suffering. So we dance with the Tetralemma. It's very hard to dance with a dilemma, with a dilemma, very hard. We're stuck on one side. 
either this or that, either that or this. So the first step of the dance is to acknowledge where you're stuck. The second step, step is to entertain its opposite, embracing it as fully as possible. The third is to embrace both sides at the same time. This may take some effort. Yes, it may take some effort. The fourth is to release both sides. So last fall, what was it, maybe early September? One day I was energetically preparing to lead a retreat, followed by eight-week practice period. And suddenly I had barely enough energy to get out of bed. I thought my Lyme disease was all gone. I hadn't had any symptoms for five years. Came up, came up. I physically and emotionally knocked off my feet and sat. Sad because I was really looking forward to doing the uh, practice period and I had to ask other people to step in and lead it. Oh. So, and I practiced what I preach. <laughs> I don't always practice what I preach, but here I had a great opportunity. I had nothing else to do <laughs> but practice what I preach, right? Acknowledge my suffering, acknowledge my sadness, acknowledge my exhaustion, and then move from that to gratitude for the opportunity to rest in my bed, in my warm bed, and not do anything at all. And then move beyond either or to acknowledge experience and feel both my suffering and my sadness and the opportunity to rest. <laughs> and finally, releasing both sides and just being with what is. But the, the fourth one is not the enlightened one. It's all four directions. We all want south. <laughs> it's a circle. It's a circle. We say the second turning of the wheel, the first turning of the wheel, it's a circle. It's a lot. It's moving. It's undulating, but it's a circle. So in the golden age of Chinese Zen, the Tetralama, lots of teachers talked of talk Tetralama talk without ever saying anything about the Tetralama. They didn't use the word and they didn't refer to Nagarjuna. But here's an example. Yangshan, Ashito. I understand the Buddha's teaching, but around here you just sit in silence. What does that mean? Which are pretty good, you know. So all this teaching and we just sit in our butts and the cushions. And I guess I've graduated to a chair finally. I, oh, maybe this is <laughs> really advanced <laughs> for all these years. <laughs> anyway, Yangshan Ashito, I understand the Buddhist teaching, but around here you just sit in silence. <laughs> I have a story about that, but I don't want to. I don't, I, I don't know how a, well, there's a clock, 1019, 10.20, oh. <laughs> well, I don't know if I touched Yeah, I'll tell that story. So uh, we, we chanted the Heart Sutra every day when I was a young man in San Francisco and Palo Alto. And, and he never explained any of this stuff to us, uh, Suzuki Roshi, my teacher. And uh, I said to him once, I said, well, will you explain this to me? I don't understand this. We chant this every morning. And I said, it just seems all topsy-turvy to me. He said, no, I don't have time now. I have to, I have to help uh, my wife later. And I asked him later. <laughs> and he said, oh, look how dirty that hallway is. I think we should sweep this hallway. <laughs> And every time I asked him, he, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. And I actually had friends from my college who came to the Zen Center in San Francisco 
and they um, uh, they um, loved the sitting and loved him, but they said, what about this weird thing we chant? And I said, well, I'm trying to get him to explain it to me. <laughs> and they didn't come back. <laughs> they loved the sitting, but <laughs> anyway, why am I telling this? <laughs> well, I don't know, because it is part of what we do, but the, fact we, the more important thing is to do it, to give yourself to it, and then you're opening up beyond your idea of what should be or what, or what should be. But it is good to learn it too. <laughs> it is good to understand it too. And why did, he, why did he not do that with me for like three years? I think for one thing, uh, English was his second language. And uh, the, it's very complicated to explain the Heart Sutra, <laughs> even, even with two native speakers. And you have to understand, you have to see what's being deconstructed. How can you deconstruct something you haven't constructed first? <laughs> so I think that, plus he wanted me just to have the experience, not to be in my head. I think, I don't know. He, he died and then I never asked him. I could have asked him after he died. But <laughs> I asked him a lot of questions since he died, but he never says much of anything. <laughs> he never did in the first place because <laughs> he was teaching the tetralemma. Big hard mind beyond the dilemma. We get in all kinds of dilemmas. Yes, that's right, but we can always open up. We can always open up. So I'm back to my story. Yangshan asked Shito. I understand the Buddha's teaching, but around here you just sit in silence. What does that mean? Shito responded, this way will not do, not this way will not do. Both this way and not this way will not do. Neither this way nor this way, nor not this way will not do. <laughs> He's quoting Nag Nagarjuna there, <laughs> but he doesn't say that. <laughs> and what happens to the poor student? <laughs> Uh, does the student stick around or not? <laughs> These students all usually go to another teacher. They find another teacher. San Francisco, when I was a young man, there weren't any other teachers. <laughs> now they're all over the place. Neither this way nor not this way will not do. And then he, a tremendous laugh came out of the teacher's <laughs> horror. His big belly, his tetralama belly. <laughs> Such a big laugh that the villagers a mile away were all awakened from their afternoon naps. <laughs> Suddenly and startlingly awakened. <laughs> do you believe it? Or do you not believe it? <laughs> or do you both believe it or not believe it? And neither believe it or nor not believe it. <laughs> So after the workshop I did a couple of weeks ago, somebody uh, had one tone with someone who had been in the workshop. And this person said uh, they were bewildered about the actual practice of the Tetralama. Oh, they had enjoyed doing it in the workshop. And I said, oh, okay. Can you fully embrace your bewilderment, your confusion? your disorientation. And when they, after they did that, they were ready to open up and fully inhabit the clarity of their embracing their confusion. Because if you can just embrace your confusion with no comment, with no editorial, it's tremendous clarity. So they moved to the second. They moved to the second. And then I suggested they, they inhabit both, they hold both. And they did it. They did it until they were able to let go of both. So there's an ability that we all have to experience a complete release in our bodies and minds. We have that ability. Is my suggestion 
to you that you can do this too good to be true? Yes, it's too good to be true. But it's also not too good to be true. And it is too good to be true and it's not too good to be true. And that's neither nor. <laughs> Let's just sit here and breathe together. <laughs> So something that's true is also not true, da-da-da-da-da. So on our cushion, we have the opportunity to dance the tetralama often. Stuff will come in, and we can do that just in a completely immobile position. It's not easy, but it's easy. And it's both not and is, and it's neither norm. So I'm going to give a final example now, uh, which I'm putting in my book. Well, um, Leslie probably knows the example. It's in my book. Uh, and this is my third book. I, Leslie is helping me edit my third, my third book. Thank you, Leslie. Uh, this is from, this is pre-pandemic. Again, I just don't, the world pre-pandemic know if it was like three years ago or eight years ago. But this is a pre-pandemic world. <laughs> Remember that pre-pandemic world, any of you? <laughs> so uh, this woman was a, she was a regular, she doesn't come here anymore. I hope she comes back sometime. But people just move, people move. And sometimes people are, really into the practice and sometimes they're not. And then there, we have all these other centers now too, and all these online options. I'm surprising anybody, surprised anybody's here today at all, because unlike me in San Francisco, where there was nothing else, you guys have all these options. Anyway, uh, oh, my final example. So this woman, after I'd been meeting with her in one-to-ones for some time, uh, she said to me, she wanted to tell me something. I said, well, what is it? She said, I'm a smoker. And I said, oh, you're a smoker? She said, yeah, I've cut down, so I'm doing less than a pack a day, but I'm a smoker. I said, oh, okay. And why are you, why are you talking so quietly? She said, well, nobody here knows it. This is a Zen center. I don't want anybody to know it. I just finally, I don't know why she said she finally shared it with me. I said, oh, okay. She said, yeah, I'm a smoker and, and I hate it. And I'm embarrassed and I'm ashamed and all that stuff. And I don't want anybody to know. So you've got to promise you won't tell anybody. Well, I was, I'm a trained therapist. So I made a pledge, you know, 30 years ago, never to share anything with anyone else outside of the one-to-one, whether it's Doksan or some other. <clears throat> and I'm pretty good at that. I hope I'm 100%, but I probably fell down once because, you know, the tetralemma. <laughs> if I think I'm perfect at doing something, then I'm, then I'm also not. <laughs> Just the way life is. So I apologize to people who I, <laughs> whom I didn't do it with, but I think I did pretty well. Anyway, um, uh, I said, okay, well, she, I said, uh, let's, let's do the tetralemma. I think, I don't remember if we were studying Nagarjuna together. Maybe we were. So let's do the tetralemma. And uh, uh, I, want, I want you to, I want to support you in really opening up to your embarrassment, to your shame, how it feels in your body, what your thoughts are, really open up. So she, she did that for a while. And then I encourage her to take the second tetralemma step. Although this is not literally because we're just sitting in Zaza, meaning she's not stepping from the north to the east. I don't even bring up the directions because I don't want to get too intellectual about it. I encourage her to take the second step to imagine the soothing sensations of taking a few deep inhales of the cigarette. She said, oh, you know, you know how soothing it is. 
well, I really didn't know, but I guessed. <laughs> I mean, I, I tried smoking once when I was 19 and I just coughed. I think I only tried it once, but I could tell it. And she said, yes, it's very soothing. And I said, well, inhabit that space. Be there with the soothingness that it gives you. Imagine you're with it. Take, take a few deep inhales right now of the cigarette, metaphorically. Relax. And she said, boy, this feels good. This is why I love it. I said, okay, good, good. Then I encouraged her to open up to both sides, aligning herself with both her desire to stop this icky habit that she was so embarrassed about and her desire for the soothing sensations from the cigarette that she got. Plus it was camaraderie. That was another thing she got. She went outside and she had a buddy to smoke with and they did it outside and by nature. So that was another effect. Now, once we, well, I, I won't get ahead of myself. She did that and that was all pretty cool. That was all pretty cool. <clears throat> and then um, she kind of went on and just uh, lived her life. And um, uh, I think that she stopped later because I think I was able to um, uh, work with her to find other ways to be soothed. I mean, after all, Zazen itself is supposed to be soothing, but often it's not. Often we get a pain and we associate the pain with Zazen rather than the experience of being soothed. So I think I was able to do that with her. I think I was able just to help her find other ways to be soothing, but I don't remember if she actually quit. Uh, supposedly nicotine habit is the hardest habit of all. I don't know how many have had it, but to divest yourself of. So I want, to, uh, I want to read my last quote here, which I don't seem to have a program in front of me, so I'm going to read it. <clears throat> uh, Meister Eckhart, the, the non-dual mystic Meister Eckhart. He, he, the second turning the wheel is about non-duality uh, because everything is inner being. The first turning of the wheel is there's a path here, you're starting with delusion and you're moving toward enlightenment. And they're separate. Delusion and enlightenment are not the same. Whereas the second turning, we do the technique. So Meister Eckhart, who was a Catholic mystic and a non-dualist, got a lot of trouble for this quote in the Catholic church. He did not get excommunicated and he kept writing because he had somehow through his prayer, through his prayer, fallen into this big space where not just one option or two options or three, but openness. So here's, he says, a human being has so many skins inside covering the depths of the heart. We know so many things, but we don't know ourselves. Why 30 or 40 skins or hides as Thick and hard as an ox's or bear's, cover the soul. Go into your ground and learn to know yourself there. So that's, I'm sure that Meister Eckhart had never heard of Nagarjuna. <laughs> and I'm sure that Nietzsche had never heard of either of them. And yet you never know. We, are, we, we come to the same realization, the same truth by going deep inside. It's here, it's here. And I had something more to say, but I left my notes upstairs, so I think we'll call this in. Um,
No, no, I think that's a fine time to end. It's 10.36 and that gives um, people a chance to ask questions or make comments about anything, people online or people in the room. Aaron. So is the second turning of the wheel an expansion on the original concept of no self, or is it completely different? This, uh, so the first turning of the wheel, could you guys hear him online? Yeah, you could hear him. The first turning of the wheel said that, that there are no self, that instead of a self, there are five aggregates, which I talked about last time, components of experience that make up the self. And the second turning of the wheel denies each of the five aggregates. The second turning doesn't say there's no self. Uh, so the, the self actually comes back in. And this co self comes back in as this big self that includes all four directions and infinite possibility. But as soon as it gets reified, then someone like Nagarjuna comes along and, or Suzuki comes along and says, reified meaning turned into something. So, uh, well, did you, do, do I need to clarify that? Yeah. So the Heart Sutra actually denies each of the aggregates. It doesn't deny the self because the self was denied in the first teaching 400 years before that. And the, and the, that first teaching said, the self is made up of a multiplicity of experience, including our sensory experience, our emotional experience, our intellectual experience. And there are five components of that. Well, those become rigidified. People believe in those. And then that becomes a new stultifying, uh, limiting map that people have for their existence. And they're not able to open up. And we do this all the time. We do this all the time. That's why tetralema practice goes, can go on forever. And that's why the circle, the second turning, uh, uh, is not that you get, finally get in the south and we're just all basking in the sun for the rest of our lives. It includes all four. All four. The wheel is always turning. It's a spiral. It's a spiral. As we practice, uh, the, the spiral does become more really part of who we are. Um, other people either in the room or you guys online you guys online there are 45 of you online few of you are hidden but some of you must have some question or comment to make I will just sit here quietly and see what happens. Well, I guess I'll make a small comment. Can you speak a little louder? Can you, if, you know, I, if you would just, if you could take your mask off, I could, I could read your lips a little bit. Okay. Just for a minute. Okay. Okay, I guess I'll make a small comment. So based on what you were saying, I guess, um, you know, most people want to some experiences, but the winter and all the other experiences are just as important. That's right. That's right. And 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 whether we whether we want it or not, we're going to have all seasons, all seasons psychologically, spiritually, literally. I used to have a place in the Caribbean, and uh, my friends who lived there, it would get down to sixty-five degrees, and they said, you know, winter is winter is coming. Uh, and, and I said, well, what's going to happen? I said, it'll get down to 60. And, and I'm cold. You know, my wife is getting a cold now. And we always get colds in winter. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I have a comment. Um, I can, uh, uh, it's, it's regarding something that happened on my job uh, not long ago, a few days back. Somebody did something that um, that really made me very angry and uh, disgusted, and I felt like uh, I felt really 
uh, like um, very much um, condemnation of this person. And then um, I didn't really realize what you were doing. I mean, I mean what, what I was doing, um, but, but based on what you were talking about just now, um, there are, I mean, I mean, I'm just, I was just applying what you were talking about to my attitude towards this person. And, and, um, and I realized that, that I mean, I, I, I was both right and wrong and it was all based on my perception and it, um, I guess I'm a little confused about the exact application, but I know what you were talking about applies to this situation and to my attitude to her and to uh, my way of looking at her is, is um, I mean, in a technical way of speaking, I was right. But in, uh, in many ways of looking at it, I was absolutely wrong. And um, I believe that this person was doing the best they the best that this person could do with what they have. And um, so there's well, an application. That, well, that's wonderful. So you kind of organically went through this process without having to, to be at all self-conscious about it. Um, you kind of organically went through it. I mean, that's what it sounds like to me. Uh, that, I think that's right. Although I don't, you know, the, the, all the steps of that you were discussing at it about it, and you know, like the the four directions of and all that, um, I didn't apply those all to it. But um, oh, you don't you don't need that. Except it's just in in my workshop I did that as people were moving in their bodies. But no, you don't need that. That's extra. That's extra. It's very simple, actually. You know, it's just. just just think about every time we get caught on an emotion or a belief. Uh, if we can just really sort of acknowledge it first, not just diss it and say, oh, there's the other, but really acknowledge it. Oh, I'm in pain now. This hurts me now um, because I'm feeling angry at him. Uh, I'm feeling angry at him and I, and I feel it. And then I'm able to move to, well, I can feel my anger at him. And that means that I'm not angry at him because I can feel it. I can be aware of it. It's, it, um, it's, it's just a little bit, it's just here in my, in my, in my sensational body. Uh, I, 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 I'm not angry, but then it's still in my sensational body. It's in my emotional body. I'll bring both together. I'll just be with them. I'll breathe with them. It's like it's like what you what you said, and it was something that I've been thinking about lately. Is that everything that's true is also not true? That's and, right. And, and I I just I just love that. I love that idea. That's that's right. That's right. And and when it's taught, it's taught often very intellectually. And I'm trying to to teach it in a deeper way because it can be kind of a chess game. When you read Nagarjuna sometimes, it's like, who's the smartest chess player? But this is not about chess. This is about our lives. Does that make sense, Kent? That makes perfect sense. Thanks. Sure. So it's more of an attitude versus that. Can you speak a little louder? Over here. Oh. So, <laughs> so most of the Tetra Brahma stuff is more of an attitude versus thought right when when you get into a situation where friction shows up well it's because you were thinking too much sometimes yes because you're, you're not using your mind over your heart it's heart mind right so it's the heart first and then the mind second well the less uh -huh, we, uh -huh. we, we like to use our heads first because uh -huh. we want to have the definition uh -huh. like like Every everything now these days is all about Google fact checking, right? Yeah. How you're wrong, I'm yeah. right. Yeah. I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah. That's that duality. Yeah. So when you get into fights at work, sometimes it's the gift, the giver, and the receiver, and the gift itself is neither the gift giver or the receivers, but something in the middle, right? 
That sounds good. That sounds good. Let's remember that. Because, uh, like, I had something to it where, where I didn't, I was trying to tell somebody no. And then they got, they took that and got so mad. And I didn't want to get them to this level. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to get this level of yeah. good. Yeah. And they took it that far. And I didn't think I got that. And I was confused because all of a sudden I went from being in a happy place uh-huh. to being in a place of chaos. Uh-huh. I didn't know that my boundary putting up got that person to that, that level. Uh-huh. And uh, so the gift of no was taken way too far uh, from that person's perspective. I see. Because uh-huh. they were like, we weren't. He wasn't receiving the no I was giving properly. Uh-huh. I wasn't giving it to him. I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, uh, so I tracked in most of what you said. Um, uh, and it sounds like the last part, you were being assertive. And that person interpreted it as you being aggressive, uh, and, which happens sometimes. But if we, and if we, do this a tetralemma type practice, we don't need to get, we can just keep trying to be assertive as we need to. And also knowing we need to let go of being assertive and just listen and then uh, try to just be there. But it sounds like that's what it sounds like. Yeah, like the, I, fr- didn't, I didn't think I got that high up on the aggressive level. Uh huh. But that was, was that was his or her interpretation. That's not your responsibility. Not your responsibility. It was that that person's responsibility. But next time, maybe you'll be a little more attuned to what that person's limitations are. Um, then your first part, when you said it's more in your heart and less in your head. Uh, well, of course, we always say that, but I don't believe it. The uh, heart mind include heart heart includes the mind in the deepest sense. It's part of the tetralemma. It's like we think the the mind is negative and zen, you know, we'll get back into the body. But the, wait, but the mind is helpful and important, and it emanates from uh, uh, this sense of inner being just as much as the heart does. So I use the term heart-mind, which is chita in Sanskrit or shin in, in, in Chinese or in Sino-Japanese, because I think that actually by doing this kind of practice, the heart and the mind realize that, they, uh, that they're always together, that the mind does take off and forget and forget. Leslie. Yeah. Thank you for this talk. I really enjoyed this practice of the Petrolema. It was in your workshop when we did that. And one of the things that really um, was a was very moving to me was uh, you talked about being wounded. And so the the tetralemma for me became, you know, I'm wounded and not wounded. I'm both wounded and not wounded, and I'm neither nor. And that when I came to that, I am both wounded and not wounded, I realized it's like I'm the child that needs to be comforted. And I'm the mother or figure that's comforting the child at the same time. And that has really stayed with me. Uh-huh. And um, uh-huh. it, and I think it was partly because you had us do the moving. You think what? It was partly because we did the moving, the oh. actual physical oh, yes. moving. Uh-huh. And I don't know how many times I've reached back to that when uh-huh. things uh-huh. have seemed uh-huh. uncomfortable or painful. Uh-huh. I can look at that part. There is, there is a me that's not in pain. Mm-hmm. When there is a me that's in pain, yeah. if I step back and look, yeah. and that's what the practice has really done. Oh, good! I'm happy so to hear you. that. Happy to hear that, Leslie. Let's see. Time for one more from either the two-dimensional group or the three-dimensional group. I have a comment, Tim. This is Eileen. Oh, hi, Eileen. Yeah, just kind of a piggyback on Leslie. I was going to say that I was in your workshop last year. And I found this is to be a really helpful tool 
And even just like this last weekend, um, I have a hard time kind of keeping my heart open. And I felt that um, a non-acceptance, I'll just say, um, somewhere. And I felt my heart really closing. And I, I use this tool a lot. Um, I, I enjoy it also in the workshop, the movement part of it to get it in my body. And then after that, I'm able to just do it on my own through sitting practice or writing practice. And uh, I found that, um, you know, I could, I was doing it again, I could hold heart not open, heart open. And then that led um, holding them in the same space together, letting them go, and then finding the false belief around non-acceptance. At least that was my, my pathway. Find them both around what? The false belief uh-huh. around non-acceptance. Uh-huh. So just a plug that I have found this to be like a really useful tool for me as well. Oh, so I, I, I thank you for bringing this back up again, because it's just nice to go over a, a refresher course of, you know, what we learned in the workshop. So I appreciate it. Thank you, Tim. Oh, you're very welcome. How many years ago was it that I did that workshop? Well, I think it was just last year, wasn't it? Or no, last year, two pandemic. years. Was it really? Oh, oh yeah. yes, it must have been because we were. Yeah, it had to have been because we were. We were in the Zendo, so well, there, he doesn't know either. There, there you he go. Says four years ago. <laughs> okay. Well, you know that's really true. So there we are. Loss, loss of time. So yeah. So yes. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Thank you all. And everybody have a good day. But you guys, I know you want to stay around for the Dawn's announcements. So I'm going to turn it over to the Dawn here.